you are listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. Rootbound is brought to you by mulberries. Pop goes the weasel? No! Here we go round the mulberry bush. Mulberries, the tree in your neighborhood that makes a mess of the sidewalk every summer. Hello, thanks for listening to another episode of Rootbound. My name is Steve, and I was thinking we haven't done any, like, vocabulary in a little while, so that's what I thought we would do at the top of the show today, and the word that I want to define is herbaceous. Herbaceous? Herbaceous? Let's just see what the internet says the American pronunciation of that word is. Herbaceous. Okay, herbaceous. I'm going to stick with herbaceous, and the word herbaceous you know, in one definition means, you know, plants that are herbs, you know, those plants you use to make your food taste better. But the botanical definition of herbaceous is a little bit more specific. Let's see, Wikipedia says it is a vascular plant that has no persistent woody stem above ground. So any plant that doesn't have a persistent woody stem and where the plant dies back in the winter is called an herbaceous plant. Some herbaceous plants are annual, so they they die back and they need to grow from seed every year. And some herbaceous plants are perennial, but the plant stays alive in the root underground. And just because it's an herb does not mean it is herbaceous. So basil, for example, is herbaceous, you know, that dies back every year. But for example, lavender is not an herbaceous herb. Lavender, the plant, has a persistent woody stem that stays above ground all the time. So that's the definition of herbaceous. And spoiler alert, one of the plants we're talking about today is herbaceous and one is not. So let's just get straight to it and learn about these two plants. Uh, You say basil, we say basil, and you say herbs, and we say herbs, because there's a fucking H in it. So on this episode of Rootbound, we have perhaps the number one fan of the podcast. My mom. Hi, mom. Hi, son. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Do you have a plant to share with us? Yes, I do. The gardenia. Oh, that's good. I know literally nothing about gardenias, so. I've learned a lot about gardenias. Oh, good. Maybe we can first start why you chose gardenias. Uh, the main reason is the smell. Mm-hmm. It is the most fragrant flower that I've ever come across in my life. I love it. I don't really remember the first time I smelled a gardenia. And I also think they're just beautiful. It's the most fragrant flower ever. Mm. I just think it's beautiful. And I didn't really know much about it. I've always wanted to have a gardenia. Had one in California, some house I rented, and it was beautiful Mm -hmm. and bloomed. And then my husband Aaron's cousin gave us her gardenia to look out after in the winter because it was really big she has this gardenia in a pot that's 20 years old oh wow and she brought it to our house because we have a solarium to keep it Mm -hmm. and we nearly killed it oh no (laughs) it's outside now and it's doing better Mm -hmm. but i felt really bad about that Mm -hmm. and we're nursing it back to health because it's huge and beautiful and does it have any flowers no has not bloomed for Mm -hmm. me Mm mm-hmm I feel like a failure. Do you, no. <laughs> do you remember when you were a kid in California, like, 
like besides the place you rented like do you remember like gardenias being around california yes and i can't be specific Mm -hmm. but they grow well in california Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i know that um they're um they're tropical Mm -hmm. mostly they're um tropical and subtropical okay like they're in regions of Africa and Asia, Madagascar, Pacific Islands, Australia. You know, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. where they originate. Um, could you, because, you know, this is the, my lack of knowledge of gardenias. Could you describe what they look like a little bit? Because I'm trying to think, if I've seen any around here, I can't actually imagine what they look like at the moment. Yes, they um, have really dark green leaves and they're... They're kind of shiny hmm. and kind of thick leaves. And um, in, you know, I looked up kind of a description of it because mm-hmm. I didn't really know how to describe it. And the, the leaves are like opposites or in whirls. Oh, okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had this, you know, whirls is like a spiral pattern. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, then the flowers then the flowers that I've seen that when I think of a gardenia are white mm-hmm. beautiful white flowers um, and I'm just googling hard, them now it's actually. hard to describe yeah um, they almost look a little bit like roses, like white roses a bit. I'm kind looking. of, but, yes. But I think if you're in person, they, they're clearly different, and it's a different kind of bush, And sure. if you look, there's one called, I think, a star gardenia that looks more daisy-like, and there's mm. some that are yellow. Mm. Because mm. there's, some sources say there's 150 species of gardenia. Oh, wow. Other sources say there's like over 200 species of gardenias. Uh-huh. That's always a common thing of like no one can agree how many different kinds of any particular right. thing there are. So they're, um, but the ones I think about are the big white flowers that kind of look like a rose, kind of. It's like a spread out rose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, they look. Yeah, that, that's interesting. And yeah, I now I'm looking at them and I totally remember seeing like uh, like almost like hedges of these or like bushes of these in yes. in California. Yes, and. They can be a bush. They can be a tree. Mm, they, mm-hmm. you know, they can get really tall. Um, they're evergreen shrubs or mm-hmm. small trees, um, one to fifteen meters tall. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, so wow. they can wow. get really wow. high. Oh, wow. They can cool. be a tree, depending on the species, and I don't know which ones yeah, are trees right. and which ones aren't. Um, they were named after um, a guy named Alexander Garden. <laughs> that's so funny like about- yeah. <laughs> and he was like lived in the 1700s and Gosh, were- like alexander garden like first of all like of all the things that you get to choose to name after yourself when your name is garden <laughs> like how did you choose <laughs> and then it's like I don't know. <laughs> yes yeah and it reminds me of how the sandwich was named after the earl of sandwich earl of sandwich <laughs> yeah, yes right. that's Correct. And um, they, it was named after this guy, but by these other two guys, a Swedish guy. Carl Linnaeus. Carl Linnaeus, yes. Carl Linnaeus is the guy who like named Names every, everything. Names everything, yes. Yeah. And John Ellis, who's a British naturalist and a linen merchant. Okay. They named it the Gardenia after Alexander Garden. Okay. 
Um, I want, what a thing to visit Alexander Garden's garden. <laughs> yes. I wonder what his garden, garden looked garden. like. <laughs> yeah. To look him up. Yes. So um, I've learned there is so much information on gardenias. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. I'm, I'm surprised at what there is. That's like the whole thesis of this podcast is every plant is just full of fun facts and dazzling details. Yeah. Once you like get beyond it, even like the common ones, you, you know, gardenia, I feel like is like, oh yeah, gardenia. People know that name, but I'm sure people don't ever like dig deep and and, and learn about it, you know? Yes. And um, I have quite a few fun facts and dazzling details. Um, in Japan, it was, the fruit is used as a yellow dye, and I didn't even know it had a fruit. I didn't know it had a fruit either. I didn't. And I actually went online and ordered some dry fruit to bring with me today and left it in the mailbox oh, darn. so we could make some tea and try it. Oh, but yeah. Next we'll time. have to do that some other yeah. time. Yeah. So I'm like, a fruit, really? Yeah. They, they're really small, and I didn't know they had a fruit. Yeah. And I don't know if every species has a fruit, but... That's that, actually something that I think, you know, it's really interesting. Like, we don't think about most plants. We only think about a few plants having fruits, but... I think this is true, or in most cases, if it is a flowering plant, it has a fruit. It's just whether that fruit is interesting to us at all. Makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, Correct. So, like, I think, you know, I was looking up uh, the fruit of, of uh, mint is uh, is called a nutlet, and it is super tiny, and it is technically a little tiny nut, but it's not something that humans would ever try to, like... Mint has a fruit, huh? Yeah, if it has a flower, I think by nature it has some kind of fruit, and now the definition of fruit is pretty broad. I think I, I talked it. about that in an episode a while back about berries and aggregate fruits and, you know, poems. There's all these different definitions of fruit, but the, the, the fruit is essentially when a flower is pollinated, it creates something to create a seed, right? Okay. And the fruit is the delivery mechanism of that seed, whether it's a nut or a fruit or a... Something like that. Now, I may not be exactly right with the definition, so botanists get get at me if I'm exactly wrong. But I think if it has a flower, it, it has some kind of... A flowering plant has to do something after it flowers, and it has to create something like that. So, yeah. so speaking of the fruits, they're used in traditional Chinese medicine. Mm -hmm. And it says for clearing, calming, and cooling properties. And I have a little more information on that in a minute. Mm -hmm. um, in France, gardenias are the traditional flower worn as a boutonniere. By oh, men. okay. Uh -huh. I when in that. evening dress. Mm -hmm. So, um, I can visualize that. And then I guess um, it was suggested that um, in it was customary for upper class men in New York City to wear a gardenia in their mm. buttonhole during the Gilded Age. Mm -hmm. Sigmund Freud remarked to the poet to a poet that gardenias were his favorite flower. Okay, isn't that funny? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what the Freudian understanding of that is. <laughs> I know. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Here I am talking about gardenias. Let's see. Um, in tiki culture, Don Beach, a.k.a. Don the Beachcomber, mm -hmm. frequently wore a fresh lay of gardenias almost every day at his tiki bars. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, he allegedly spent $7,800 for flowers over the course of four years in 1938, and he named one of his drinks the Mystery Gardenia Cocktail. Trader Vic's used to use gardenias in mm. their cocktails also. Um, one called the Scorpion. Mm. So. In that one cocktail, that said, what was it, the gardenia-named one? What was it called? The Mystery Gardenia Cocktail. Yeah, do you know what it was in that besides? No, I do not. Miss I, a Mystery? 
it's a mystery. <laughs> I didn't get that deep into looking yeah. at the recipes, no. which was interesting, and I want to. But yeah, that whole history of tiki drinks is really I yes. know a little bit, but yeah, you know a little bit, yeah. So the one from Trader Vic's is called the Scorpion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's in it. Let's see. Oh, another very cool fact is um, Hattie McDaniel famously wore gardenias in her hair when she accepted the Academy Award um, as the first African-American in Gone with the Wind. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so Monique Hicks, who later got an Academy Award, wore gardenias in her hair as a tribute to McDaniel. She was in Precious. She Uh won the Academy Award. She played the mother in Precious. Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, super cool. I know you can't see this on the podcast. This is kind of a picture of the um, fruits. Oh, yeah. I don't know how to describe them. They look, they almost look like little nuts and they yeah. have like some segments, but I don't know what their texture is. And they look right. dried. Little, They're kind of brownish orange. Um, little interesting. pods. Yeah. 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 They're, and they're not that big. The common gardenia is called Cape Jasmine. Mm-hmm. And it grows in the United States, especially in the South, but it grows in China and Japan mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Taiwan. Is it, it's native to, to Asia? I think so. Subtropical somewhere. Mm -hmm. Back to the Chinese medicine. They harvest the fruits in autumn and winter. And um, they have a bitter taste, but they have... There's all sorts of claims about Mm -hmm. the fruits. Um, They work on jaundice, sores in the mouth. They help eczema. In uh, Western medicine, they use use the fruits for different ailments, like lowering blood pressure... Helping insomnia, um, lowering systemic inflammation, you know, mm, that's mm-hmm. a big deal right now. Combat, influ- combat influenza. Wow. And so there's a lot of medicinal properties that I didn't know. Also, um, there was some recent study that showed that gardenias can uh, treat gastritis mm. and nausea, vomiting, burning and indigestion, abdominal bloating. And it's good for, good for everything. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> Yeah. A miracle flower. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I found this interesting because as a, when I was a new nurse, maybe I was still a student and I was going in the Navy. I went to a GI conference in the Navy. This was a long time ago. And they were talking about the um, bacteria H. pylori and how it can cause ulcers and all mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm. And they talked about a regiment to get rid of the H. pylori and it'll get rid of your ulcers. And so their gastritis is caused by H. pylori, which is, a, like I said, a common stomach bacteria. Mm-hmm. And um, it can lead to stomach ulcers and cancer. There was a study that showed, in addition to reducing, you know, uncomfortable acidity from the uh, gardenia fruit, um, it seems to kill off H. pylori. Oh, wow. Isn't that cool? Very interesting. Oh, and I'm not sure exactly of the study. Yeah. But that's cool. I think that's really interesting. And it also says, there's another study that says it may, Gardenia may have additional anti-cancer properties. Hmm. Very interesting. Do you have any other fun facts or dazzling details about Gardenia? Yes, I have a couple other things that I neglected neglected to say up front. First of all, gardenia is part of the plant species or family or whatever it is, and it's called Rubiaceae. Mm. I had to learn how to pronounce that. Yeah, that sounds like a tough one. 
because, and that's what Google says, that's how you pronounce it. So I could be wrong, and I apologize to those who know the right thing. And um, a gardenia is a flowering plant in the coffee family. Oh, wow. So the, so the genus is Rubiaceae, and then the family above that is, is the coffee family? I believe so. Wow. That's so cool. I just thought that was really interesting because I love coffee and I love gardenias. Oh. It's Gardenia imperialis. You can brew it into a tea if you like severe stomach cramps. Such a smart one. You know everything about flowers. <sighs> everything but how they smell. Please describe it to me. Uh, it's like summer with a dab of vanilla and honey. Or maybe winter with some gravy on it. Well, thank you for sharing with me about gardenias. Do you mind if I share a plant with you? I would love it. Cool. So um, the plant that I chose uh, is one that grows in the yard. Um, and when we first moved into this house, I didn't see it. Because it. I guess it had been uh, like, like the people who did the yard work before we owned the house like had completely cut it down to the ground already and uh, it reminds me a little bit about what uh, our friend and Weisha said in our springtime episode of how there's like a hidden garden underneath like all winter and then in the spring you know the the flowers pop up yeah and so this plant started popping up and I was like I, I don't know what that is it, it's it's big dark green leaves and I was like that that's cool what is it is clearly was planted here in this spot it's in a good spot. And so then finally the flowers came up and I could actually use my little app to figure out what they were. And they are peonies, which is my plant <gasps> oh, that I chose. Oh, how cool. Yeah. They're so beautiful. They're really cool. And they're, you know, I don't, I don't like just flowers is not something I've like had too much interest in. I'm always interested in like edible things, but spoiler alert, peonies are edible. I'll talk about that a little bit later. I just learned that. Um, but as a flower, they're really cool, and they're really, like, I think when they're in bloom, which is a pretty short period of time, they're really easy to cut, and so I'll bring some up to Carla sometimes when they're there, and that's, like, a nice one to, to bring. So that's why I chose peonies. And as far as fun facts and dazzling details, there's quite quite a bit about peonies, I think, just like gardenia. Um, there's a lot going on here. So first of all, the name, uh, the Latin name is Peonia officinalis, this particular version, but the whole genus is Peonia, and there's there's... Like like you said, there's uh, arguments about how many different species there are. Okay. 33 is the number I read, but there might be more or less. Um, but that name, peony or peonia, the first thing I thought is like, is that of any relation to the word peon? Like it's peony. <laughs> Me is too, it like, I think that. But the, the um, etymology is entirely different. The word peon is like from a Spanish word peon, which has to do with feet. And foot soldiers, it's like pawn. So a peon is a pawn, <laughs> right? Peony is not different. That's from Paonia, which is the name of a uh, the Greek god of healing, or it's like the student of a Greek god of healing. I wasn't quite clear on that, but there's a there was a Greek pers Greek myth guy named Paonia or Paon. He was the student of Asclepius, and Asclepius is the genus name for milkweeds. Which oh, I thought was interesting. So wow. Asclepius, and then the story goes is that a, a peon healed some wound of Zeus with a peony, and then later Asclepius got really jealous of peon because I guess he was getting better at being a, like a healer, doctor person, and so he tried to kill peon, and then Zeus saved peon by turning him into a peony. 
So that's why it's called the peony. That is a great story. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Um, it has a really long, long history of, of use, and particularly actually medicinal use going back also to China, like gardenia. Um, in fact, at several points in history, the peony was the official flower of China. And even oh. there was something relatively recently where, like, there was a vote to make it. Like, I guess currently China has no official flower, at least that's what Wikipedia said. But there were, they voted to make it recently again, and for some reason, some technical reason, it didn't go through. But it's it's really well known. If you actually think of, like, traditional, like, old Chinese drawings, you can imagine a peony in those drawings. They're, Absolutely. They're there, right? So uh, I, I thought that was interesting. Um, another thing that I found I was reading about... And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So one thing I always notice about my peonies, and maybe you've noticed this too, is there's always ants all over them. I haven't got to get that close. I have. I've lived in my house for a little over a year and a half. And last spring I found out I had peonies. Oh, cool. And I have tons of them in this one spot. It's a spot It's a spot that you can't get to uh-huh. very easily. So I look at them out my window. So I haven't looked really close. So Yeah, so I, I noticed, and that's one issue when I try to bring up flowers for Carla's. I have to try to shake the ants off because there's always ants on them. But then I was like, oh, wait a minute. I talked in an episode, uh, a few, I think it was on the Elderberry episode, I was talking about nectar. And I talked about a thing called an extra floral nectary, which is a part of the plant that makes nectar that is not for uh, attracting pollinators. It, it, it's not near where the pollen source is it's it's outside of the flower and peonies have extra floral nectaries and there's a little bit of mystery of like why would they create nectar that is not to attract pollinators and the theory goes is that they 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 excrete this nectar on the outside of the flower and around the bud to attract ants specifically Hmm. and the ants prevent the peonies from being eaten by herbivores because no herbivore wants to take a mouthful of ants and so the ants protect the flowers um and in exchange they get a sweet treat from the peony well they're absolutely brilliant flowers yeah, aren't they absolutely yeah i thought that was really neat and i was like it makes sense i was like oh man there's always ants all over these things but it's on purpose um so some you know peonies have these really you know if you don't know peonies listener they're like these really like big puffy flowers they have tons of petals Yes. And I guess the more wild ones don't have as many petals like that. They've been selectively bred over time to be more puffy, and there's like double petal varieties. And the double petaled ones actually have trouble pollinating naturally because the bugs can't get in there. And yeah, so, like, I, I guess could I was see reading that. About something. I think mine do. In fact, I meant to go look at them before, before we recorded this. Um, actually do form the little like fruit like things that have the seeds in them but some people say that the the cultivator varieties don't ever form seed heads because Mm. they have trouble actually pollinating because of how like big the flowers are but there are peonies that look less like that that are the more wild ones they look they only like a single layer of petals oh interesting interesting um of the 33 different kinds of peonies there are split into two categories. There are the herbaceous peonies, and then there's the tree peonies. So the herbaceous one is what I have, and they grow up every year, and they die completely back every every winter, and they come up again. So the roots are what are uh, perennial. But there are ones that grow on a tree or a bush, and so they have like a permanent woody stem, and then every year the leaves fall off, and then next year the leaves and flowers come up on the tree. I think those are more common in Asia. I've never seen one here. but Yeah, maybe I think I, I have what the, you have. I yeah, think. yeah. That's the more common one, in, that at least around here. And uh, 
Paeonia officinalis, which is like the European peony, which I think is pretty common in, in North America, is is a herbaceous um, peony. Um, so yes, their their use in for, for for like edibility and medicine. So their history in traditional Chinese medicine goes back a really long way. They're really well regarded. Is that would be Paeonia lactiflora, which is the most common Chinese peony. But I guess all the peonies have similar characteristics. I actually didn't go into specifically what they're used for, but it's a long list of things. I think similar to gardenia. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly for medicinal use, the roots are what are used. Um, oh. But other parts are also used. Um, but the the blossoms are edible, and they can be used in jellies or they can be used in infusions. I actually, I think now, next year, I have to make some peony mead. Absolutely. And those extra floral nectaries, like the flowers actually have more like flavory stuff on them because they're producing not nest nectar in the flower, but on the flower as well, which is pretty cool. Um, and you can actually garnish things with them. And I think they, apparently they taste very nice. I guess I read one where that maybe you need to be, and this is true of all plants and particularly all wild plants. Don't want to eat a ton of them because maybe they can give you like stomach issues. But like I get them garnished on a salad, they're apparently quite nice. Um, so I definitely have to try that. Me too. And then one little last dazzling detail is that the seeds uh, are also edible, and the seeds were used as seasoning in medieval times for like meats and things like that. They also used them to to mull wine and mead with, which I guess I'm gonna have to try as well. Definitely. Um, and then. This is a quote, um, I forget exactly where this is a quote from, but I'll link it in the show notes from, from some old medieval guy who says, the seed uh, to the number of 15 taken in wine or mead is a special remedy for those that are troubled in the night with a disease called the nightmare. So <laughs> wine with peony seeds is good for nightmares, apparently, Perfect. according to medieval people. We need to give that a try. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's peony. Thank you. That was great. I love peonies. They're beautiful flowers. And I wonder what those seeds taste like. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm going to go out after this and see if there's any, because it should be about seed time. I, I know what the, the little the little like pods look like, but I've never actually tried to get a seed out of them. So, uh, listener, maybe you'll be lucky, and I'll talk about that after this. Or maybe if I don't, that means I didn't find any seeds. Very good. Next year, I'm going to have to try to put some on a salad. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Was the peony bush there in my garden that made you turn around and smile at me? Not the zinnias are gardenias with their fragrant perfume. Forget me nots in a fancy pots or orchids in a bloom. But the peony bush there in my garden It did the trick as quick as one, two, three Please decorate my garden gate forever And never will there be any bush But the peony bush for me. 
after I finished talking with my mom about gardenia and peonies, I did go out to the yard and look at my peony bush, and it did have some of those little seed pod things on it, but I don't think they were quite ready to, to harvest, so I unfortunately cannot report back to you about the taste of the peony seeds, but I will do that on another episode or maybe on my social media at Rootbound Podcast on Instagram. But here at the end of the show, I want to talk about that word herbaceous again, or herbaceous, or maybe just the word herb or herb. Um, I was thinking about that word after, you know, talking about it at the beginning of the show, and uh, I was, you know, curious about that argument between Americans and British about the pronunciation, whether you pronounce that H or not. And I found this really great video by Adam Ragusea on YouTube. You should actually check it out. He actually makes really great videos about a lot of food stuff, but uh, he has a video about the word herb versus herb. And it was really interesting and also had some other fun tangents. But kind of the core of it is is that uh, the word herb in English is a loan word from French. And the French never pronounce the H at the beginning of a word. Other examples are honest or air. And so uh, herb is the same kind of loan word. And so Americans don't pronounce the H at the beginning of that word. Um, but the British do. They say herb. But the British don't say honest and hair. They say honest and air. So so there's some lack of consistency there on their part. And uh, according to Adam Ragusea's video, the British didn't start pronouncing the H in herb until the 19th century. So it's a little bit of a newer thing. However, Americans also have tons of inconsistencies in our pronunciations of things in uh, in our version of English as well. So I don't think anyone's right or wrong here on the pronunciation of herb or herb. We just do it differently. You say herb, I say herb. Let's call the whole thing off. My guest on this episode of Rootbound was my mom, Kendall Pease. Uh, my mom is a nurse anesthetist, and she's also starting to get into jewelry making. Rootbound is hosted by me, Kindle's son, Steve Ellington. Music by Christian Kriegeskota, fake ads by David Lani. Rootbound is a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. But if you can go outside, don't forget to stop and smell the gardenias and or the peonies. Mulberries, the tree in your neighborhood that makes a mess of the sidewalk every summer.